Welcome to Just Sayin', a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri-State Worship Center. Now here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Just Sayin' podcast. My name is Allison Gardner. Hello, Allison Gardner. Hi, I'm here with my pastor, Terry Wagner. Hello, everyone. Yes, and our sound magician, Tyler Staten. I don't think we introduced hey you last time. I don't think uh, we did you didn't, and it was very rude. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I had to pay him to come back this time. I, I would like a written apology. Oh, um, I'll work on that. Cancel culture. <laughs> You're going to cancel me, the producer? Wait a minute, we can't do that. You In are the uh, calligraphy form. Oh, Whoa. I can do that one. Uh, I, I'm man. good at that. Okay, I can do there it. we go. Man, he's demanding now. <laughs> so... Um, today we are doing something we've never done before and we're doing a part two to an episode. True that, yo. It's crazy, but it's important. And, you know, we wouldn't do it if we didn't really think it was necessary. Um, but last week we, uh, introduced season three. Um, and this season we're going to be talking about the family. The um, fam. Yes. The fam. The fam. And our mission statement of this podcast is... Looking at the issues of family through the lens of Scripture. Right. Not being concerned with political correctness, just saying what the Bible says. Exactly. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. So... We said it more times just now than we have <laughs> in any other episode altogether. Uh, it was good. good well, and, I, and again, let me just re- reemphasize that we're not here to offend anybody. We're not here to to try to be insensitive. We're just saying we're looking at the family through the lens of Scripture. Yeah. Um, so last week we went over some basic questions. Um, we defined what the nuclear family is biblically. Correct. Um, and that is what PT. A father and a mother and their children. Hmm. Now. Culture wants to redefine it. That's the problem. Biblically, mother, father, children. Right. So we talked about that, and we got That's into... the quickest answer I've ever given <laughs> in my life. Very good job. Thank I'm you. applauding. Thank you. Um, so we got into um, a couple of things. Uh, we talked about just, like, basic roles in the family, and we started talking about how culture has influenced the family. And the specific question was how has culture deconstructed the biblical view of the family? So we went over um, some stuff on that. So if you guys, if you haven't listened to that first episode, I really recommend going back and listening to it because it is a segue into this conversation. But what I didn't get to say in the last episode that I wanted to um, was I think that a way that culture has deconstructed this view um, is that the priority of marriage has changed. Um, I don't have specific statistics, but I'm sure if I could pull it up, you, we would see through the data that people are putting off marriage later and later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're pursuing careers first, men and women. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of just, we're not viewing marriage as uh, something as important as it was in the past, mm-hmm. I don't think. And so we're also viewing the family as a hindrance to your careers. We're labeling stay-at-home moms as not reaching their fullest potential, um, as being oppressed uh, for not pursuing a career. And so I think just childbearing and the family in general are just see, seen as a burden over mm-hmm. a blessing. And that's really not what scripture says whatsoever. So I'm going to pull up Psalm 127, 
verses three through five, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So what do you guys think about that? What, do you agree with me? So we're, we're supposed to use our kids as weapons? That's what, that's what I <laughs> no, you're supposed to keep them in your quiver. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Hello. Um, I, I, no. think, I think the problem is, is that once the, and we just said this even before we started recording, once you give just a little bit, on, on anything that's a biblical standard principle precept. Man, it just starts the domino effect. I mean, you start, just take one issue of children being a hindrance to maybe me advancing my career or children being a hindrance to me being able to express myself the way I want to express myself. So I get an abortion, hmm. right? I mean, right. You, you just see the domino effect of how, you know, just moving the standard or the, you know, the, the, that median, if you just move it just one way or the other, it just opens up the door to so many other things. And that's not saying that that's why we believe the Bible is, is the truth. It's, I'm not saying that way. I'm saying that it's the truth because it's God's word. But, but when the Bible tells us that the reason God put Adam and Eve together was for them to be fruitful and replenish or refill the earth, uh, I, I think that when we move away from that, we just, we're looking for trouble. And yeah. society has told us you know, uh, wait till later. And again, I, I got married on my 19th birthday. Okay. I, I'm not advocating people graduate from high school and hurry up and get married. That's not it at all. But I do think other things have, have kind of stepped in front of mm -hmm. that decision of who I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. One of the things that stepped in front of that was people saying, I'm not sure I can make that decision of who I want to spend the rest of my life with. So I'm going to put it off for a while. Um, but I, but I think once we start doing those kinds of things, just moving just a little bit away from what God ordered, then it gets us in trouble. Yeah. Instead of seeing children as a duty and a privilege to have, we've, we've labeled them as a burden and then people, you know, it's fine to kill them. How, how that's, is, that's the logic behind abortion. How, how is, and I never have been able to figure this out rationally, but... How can people like in my generation or, or you guys' generation, which again, we represent about three, three different generations mm -hmm. here, have the mindset of children are burdens when we ourselves would never want to have been thought of that way? Yeah. How, how, I mean, how did we get there? How, yeah. how do we get from me being raised in the 60s and 70s, not wanting my parents to see me as a burden, but then getting to my 40s or 50s or, or even 60s to say, man, children are such a burden. I, yeah. I don't know where that happened. I don't know what happened in 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 the history of mankind that, that caused us to cross over into that, and I'll just call it the darkness, in, into that area. I don't get that. Yeah, well, it, I think it's an increase of selfishness well, in our exactly. culture. Yeah. It's, it's appeasement to our desires. We're putting ourselves first in our culture. Yeah. You hear a lot of people talk about, well, I, you know, I want to experience life first. I don't want to have any regrets right. when I'm, you know, because there's, I mean, if we really want to get down to brass tacks, there's, there's a million different ways people could go in this world yeah. and uh, things they can do, right, wrong, um, you know, moral, immoral, whatever. But the point is, it's come to the point where they, they, they see these options as oh, something they don't want to miss out on or something that they want to experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you 
personally that, you know, becoming a father has been one of the things that I think has grounded me more than anything Mm -hmm. in this life. I mean, you know, when I came back to the Lord, that was obviously a big step. (laughs) And, um, and I'm grateful to have had that. But then again, it's almost as if children were the, the, the icing on the cake. Sure. They, they, they force you out of selfishness. Unfortunately, we still see some people who, who never make it through right. that stage of, of losing self mm-hmm. um, you know, in order to be a better provider and a better parent for, mm-hmm. for their child. Well, if, if parenting is done right, exactly. if it's done right, then it does, I have to abandon some of that yeah. selfishness. And again, I, in my opinion... Uh, I, I think selfishness is the original sin. I think that's what caused uh, Adam and Eve to do what they did. Was they were selfish. You know, if you eat of this, you're going to be like God. Hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to be like God and eat it. And, and I think we've been carrying that ever since. And you know, I, I do a lot of marriage counseling, and, and I have I've, I've had couples that come in, especially like maybe a mom say, you know, I got married young, had kids young, and now I'm at a point where I feel like I've met. And what I do say to them. And and they don't like it is hey it's it's too late for that yeah you don't, you don't get to make that decision you made yeah. that decision exactly. a while back yeah. Yeah. you know that you're gonna get married yeah or or someone come in and say well I got married but I think I may have married the wrong person too late it's too late <laughs> <laughs> you already got married now let's figure out how to make it work yeah. right the problem in today's world is I, I don't want to spend any energy. I don't want to invest any time in how to make that work. Yeah. It's just easier. The path of least resistance is just get divorced, mm-hmm. find somebody else. And but you're going to find yourself in the same position. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and statistics will bear me out on this. Uh, right now, the you know, we used to be able to say half of all marriages end in divorce. That number li- really has slipped a little bit. It's more like 48% of marriages. But, but of second marriages, 75% end in wow. divorce. So you didn't really fix anything. Yeah. No. You know, you just carried it with you, and the same thing's happening again. So I think when we set selfishness aside and we say, I know that my responsibility as a, as a, uh, a husband and as a father, as a parent, is, you know, laid out for me in the Bible, and I'm going to follow that instruction rather than the selfish instruction that says I'm going to take well, you know, my money and spend it on something else rather than take care of my family. I'm going to take my time and invest it somewhere else rather than invest it with my family, so forth and so on. And the next thing you know, you have this de- deconstruction of the family yeah. Yeah. where where it has taken us to the place where we're at in our society. You yeah. Know? Uh, and I also think there is sort of a, well, a deconstruction of the view of duty. Like I said, people feel no responsibility towards their commitments. And it's also this whole, this whole family structure that God has set up in the Bible. It's individuals coming and coming to terms with this and there's friction. They don't feel this way. They don't fit into this model. So I'm going to do whatever I want because I wasn't made for this. Well, what does the Bible say? You must be born again. There, it doesn't matter how, how you feel. The re- there's a reason why God has set this up. And once we submit ourselves to that position, we find abundant life. So let me take the devil's advocate position here. So, Allison, you think that I should just be miserable then the rest <laughs> of my I mean, I And I say that because I hear that. Right, yeah. yeah. When I tell couples, no, we don't. We don't, if you're going to come in and do counseling with me, divorce is not an option. We take that off the table because if it's there, we're going to take it, 
right? The selfishness that we all have. So, okay, well then what are you saying, Pastor Terry? You just want me to be miserable the rest of my life? No, you're, you've already re resolved yourself to being miserable. You've already, ex you've accepted it. Don't accept that. Let's find out in, in Happy Gilmore terminology, let's find the happy place. Yeah. You it, know, let's find that and, and work at, towards at, that. At one point, you both loved yeah. each other and yeah. cared enough that you thought you would take that step of marriage. So there's, there, yeah. there's something there, whether you've got to revisit it or, re, or rediscover it yeah. is one thing. And I know we're getting bogged back down, yeah. but you're, <laughs> you've, you've hit on such an incredible hot button for me in the counseling world, and that is... Well, you didn't get married because you hate each other. Exactly. You didn't get married because you don't enjoy spending time together. So something happened from then to, to now, here yeah. that that derailed you. Yeah. You know, and, and yes, the devil is slick. Yeah, the <laughs> devil can do a lot of cool things. But but the simple fact is, you have to acknowledge that you got derailed. Now, the 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 decision you got to make now is, okay, am I just going to throw in the towel, which? If if divorce and I, and again I, I recognize divorce is part of our landscape. It happens, but when it happens and there are children involved, you know spouses can go on and meet somebody else and 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 try again. But kids never yeah. have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And and so I, I try to point people to let's fix this. Let's fix it. If you if you just leave it the way it is and you and you go on a different way, you're just taking that stuff with you yeah. because. All of that stuff, and, and for those of you that are not in the room, I'm pointing towards the middle of the table, and I don't know why. <laughs> All of that stuff is rooted in selfishness. Mm -hmm. It's rooted. Yeah. And I, I, I guess I should leave it, because I did say I wasn't going to say anything <laughs> on this no, podcast, well, and I've already said things. So. Well, my answer to that is, does God just want me to be unhappy, is... When were you ever promised happiness right. in the Bible? Right. When did God ever say... Receive my salvation so you can be happy in this right. life. No, right. no. it's the Bible says, deny yourself, take up your cross and mm. follow me. Luke 9, 23. We, we do this out of obedience. And you know what we find in obedience? We find God's faithfulness. Yeah. We find peace. We find joy. And you know what joy is? It's longer. It lasts. It is permanent. It is a permanent state of mind. Happiness is fleeting. And you know what? That is not our pursuit as Christians. Our pursuit as Christians is not some unpredictable emotion that we strive towards. That is culture. That yep. is culture telling you, yep. appease your flesh, yep. do what makes you happy. And we've already talked about this. I really encourage you guys to go back and listen to um, the dating episode, mm -hmm. because I think if people really viewed marriage as something like going into marriage, divorce isn't an option. Right. Yep. Marriage is permanent. Yep. If people really started to view it that way, we wouldn't have divorce wouldn't be as big of a problem as uh, it is. I think you're right. And you know, the, the, the path of least resistance is just something that seems to be the human nature of mm -hmm. people. But the reality is, is that, uh, after five years of being married, uh, about six years, maybe Vicki and I, she, she left me. Vicki took our children and moved in with her mom. And I had a pastor sit across from me and say, if you guys will work through this and fix it, you'll be happier and healthier on the other side. Uh, and in my mind, I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You know, you don't. But he's right. And that's what I've been telling couples ever since then. Sure, you can abandon this, this obligation. You can abandon this vow that you took before God and these 
these people that it was going to be. T- you can abandon that, but that's not going to bring you happiness. Listen, happiness is a disease that people s- seem to want to pursue. And I, I'm going to just back up what Allison said. I thought she was preaching there, man. She was. She was on it. Happiness. Listen, happiness is not. Uh, it's not out there somewhere. We think that if I have a new house, new spouse, new kids, new car, new career, I'll be happy. No. If you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy then. God is more interested in your holiness. Mm. Once you find that, Mm. once you find the holiness, happiness follows that. Right. You know, because you're going to have your joy in the Lord. Yeah. And and he, uh, he... His sacrifices so that we could have life and life to the fullest, right? Absolutely. In in abundance. Right. Right? Yeah. And one definition, and this came to mind as we were talking about this, one definition of abundance is the plentifulness of the good things mm. of life. Yeah. So yeah. obviously he wants those things for us. It's not necessarily about our happiness, but it's about finding your your joy and, and in some cases your contentment with, with, yeah. with those things, yeah. you know? Yeah. And when we shirk those responsibilities and what the Bible says about our lives, I think we take on this mentality that we know what's best for us better yeah. than what God does. Yeah. And that's just not true. Yeah. God, God is goodness. He yeah. knows what's good. It's his character. Yeah. yeah. It's... We are by nature children of wrath. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> well, you are. I, <laughs> I, I own up to that. I mean, I would be so lost yeah. if I just leaned on my flesh. Yeah. That is so, so dangerous. Uh, and I can tell you, and I'm sure Pastor Terry can too, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the bottom, I found the rock, and that was him. Yeah. You know? Right. And, and if, if there's anything in this life that's going to give us any of that good stuff of life, it's what it, what God has for us is better than anything Absolutely. that we can give ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Let me just try to close that particular part of the conversation up by saying mm-hmm. that you know your happiness will always be based on happenings. Always. If something happens that's good, you will be happy. If something happens that is bad, you're not. So your happiness is always going to be based on happenings, but your joy that Allison mentioned, is always based on Jesus, right? The joy of the Lord yeah. is my strength. Sure. When your joy is based on Jesus, it will never, it won't change because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. And and it doesn't mean I won't have some moments of challenge uh, emotionally or, 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 or some of those other, uh, whether I'm happy, sad, whatever. but in the end, I know that he's God and he's on the throne and he orchestrates all things. He ordains all things and he created all things. Who am I? Yeah. You know, I, all I want to do is just put my hand in his hand and say, okay, let's go. And, that, and that's what I was kind of speaking to earlier when I talked about, you know, even at sometimes just being content. You may, you're not going to be, you're going to go through things in life that well, you're not going to be happy. Right. And sometimes even struggle to find your joy, but finding that that contentment in, in knowing mm-hmm. that somehow, some way, I'm going to get through this mm-hmm. uh, and find the joy again that I once had. And, and, Relying on the Lord to get you through that. That whole contentment thing, man, we don't have time. <laughs> we don't have time. But I will say that, you know, political correctness, tolerance, uh, identity politics, those things have fueled the deconstruction of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the ideas and ideals of small groups becoming mainstream mm-hmm. 
It's just killing us. Yeah. It's killing us. And then labeling anyone who disagrees right. as a bigot. Yeah. If you don't agree with me, then you're a, a racist, a bigot, yeah. a homophobe, what, whatever tag. Yeah. That, that Sexist. Somebody, yeah. Yeah. Or misogynist. I, yeah. I don't. I have to look that up. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I just really wanted to touch on that. Touch well, on the. <laughs> we 20 minute touched it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's sad. It's it sad the it way that our culture has told us that good is bad and bad is good and right is wrong and wrong is right. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's and, horrible. And, and, and the Bible forewarns us that, that that's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. But yet we see it and then we still have a. A, a group of people or an element of people that don't recognize, well, this is just prophecy coming to pass. I should get into a right relationship with Jesus because this Bible thing is true. Yeah, but it's just going to get harder from oh, here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I, well, we don't want to get into the <laughs> theology. Instead, there. it's being used to, in a sense, debunk mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. the, the truth of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, Let's 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 go to some hope. Let's go to some tips for you know what we should do about this because like we've laid out all the problems. What are we gonna do now? So insert happy music. <laughs> what are some aspects of the family that the church needs to recover? I, I think a, a really good place to start is till death do us part. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right. I mean yeah. that's that's the place to start because uh, my parents modeled for me. Uh, before my dad passed away, I think my parents had been married 53 years, all right? Uh, it wasn't all fun and games. It wasn't all happy, but they modeled that for me, and I want to model that for my children. Uh, if Vicky and I make it till September, we'll be married 43 <laughs> years. Uh, I want to model that for my children. Uh, and I think the church has a responsibility to, to model that to mm-hmm. the community of faith. Let's let's. I think the number one thing is is taking that till death do us part seriously, mm-hmm. very seriously. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to to deny that divorce is is part of the land. It happens. I, I understand that, but that's not the go to. That's right. not what we should yeah. immediately, you know, set ourselves back to. And I think if we, if the church could get uh, till death do us part and model that. For people, then I think spouses need to follow the biblical example, uh, a, a pattern for husbands, a pattern for wives, how to teach our children. If we could adhere to that example, mm-hmm. the biblical example, you know, for the last 30 years, we've tried it the government's way. We've tried it culture's way. We've tried it. It's not working. The biblical way of raising a family and being a spouse and being a parent works. It's right. It works. But for some reason, we can't get people pointed back to that. But I, I think if the church is going to help recover the family, then they need to model mm-hmm. how to raise your children, how to be a good husband. I mean, uh, let me go way back. Let me go way back with you now <laughs> to uh, 19, probably 84. I was a youth pastor, a lot younger, a lot more hair. Um <laughs> And we we did a um, uh, Why Wait campaign. Now, for mm-hmm. those of you that aren't old enough to remember, Josh McDowell had this book, Why Wait, which is all about why, why wait to be sexually active until after marriage. Okay, so we, we did eight weeks with kids and then eight weeks with parents, right? The first week with the parents, we had about 80 parents in the room, and I asked this question. I said, how many of you parents, how many of your parents talk to you about sex? 
Okay. And I know I'm, I'm, I got a point here. We're not here to talk <laughs> about sex. Uh, one person, one person raised their hand. Wow. Now that's sad enough, but what was even more sad was that the church was not, was absent in all of that. And, and I did catch some grief from parents saying, I'm not sure it's a church's place to teach my children about sex. I'm like, you would rather them learn it on the TV. You'd rather learn it from their friends who don't even know what it means, but they're going to teach your children. And I think the church has a responsibility to, to teach parents how to be parents, kids how to be kids, spouses how to be spouses. I, I think that we did a thing last year uh, uh, on death and dying on Wednesday. We did a series mm -hmm. of classes on death and dying. The church has been absent on that. You know, and I'm not saying Tri-State Worship Center does it all right. It took us 17 years to get to the point to do it right, you know, in that. So I think the churches need to be a top influencer in the lives of people. Hmm. I mean, you go back to the uh, 80s again, and uh, the clergy, parents were number, was the number one influence in a child's life. Mm -hmm. And number three, I think, was, was clergy. Today, clergy is not even on the list. Mm -hmm. Didn't even make the list as a top influencer in the lives of children. So what what can the church do to recover this family unit? We we need to start teaching it, preaching it, and modeling it, mm -hmm. and and helping people to understand what that really is. Because the family was the first model of the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that, that yeah. it's a model of the church, yeah. and it's a model of our relationship with Christ. He's the groom, we're the bride, yeah. right? Yes. I mean, and so. How can we expect people to grasp that and understand that when we don't even talk about it? Yeah. And, you know, I think we, we don't emphasize that enough. The um, symbolism of, the, the, of marriage, um, symbolizing um, Christ as the groom and the church as his bride. Mm -hmm. There's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason yeah. why that is. Yeah. It's because marriage has a, such a special place um, in God's world. Well, think of all the examples he could have used. Exactly. But he where decided did, to use And marriage. where did Jesus perform his first miracle? Yeah, at a, a, at wedding. a wedding. Yeah. I mean, a he, wedding. Could have, he could have used a dog in his yeah, bone. Yeah, exactly. You know, or, but instead he said a man or a groom and, and the bride. So, yes. I mean, that's... It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. And we've just... We we have not been faithful to defend that. I, I, I really believe that. I agree with you. We have, like you said, we cannot give an inch. Yeah. We cannot compromise because everything is going to put around yep. us. Yep. And if the church is not faithful, who is going to be? We cannot compromise. And uh, I said this in my sermon yesterday. So if you'd like to go to our <laughs> Facebook page and listen, compromise is the language of the devil. I mean, think about that. Compromise is the language of the devil. Once you start compromising, he will he will throw that door wide open. And, and I'm getting ready to throw a door wide open. And we might have to do part three. Uh-oh. <laughs> because I know when I say this, I know it's a hot button for Allison. So I, I, I anticipate <laughs> that she will have some things to say. I think there's plenty of blame to go around mm -hmm. of, of the breakup of the family or the, the, right. the degradation of the family. But I think one thing that happened, and I'm going to say 30 years ago, was when the church uh, started adopting this, uh, this phrase called seeker-sensitive, that we were going to begin to let people dictate what the church needs to do mm. to try to make them feel better. Mm. 
<laughs> and we kind of went from a vertical relationship <laughs> to a horizontal. Yeah. She's laughing because she's got lots to say. I, a horizontal relationship. Yeah. And instead of us seeking God mm-hmm. for what to do for the people, we yeah. began to seek the people and we forgot about God. Yep. Yeah. And well, I'm not, I'm yeah. not, I'm not exempting Tri-State mm-hmm. Worship Center from that, yeah. you know, because I, I know of times that, that we have been guilty of that, but I think that has a huge impact yeah. on, on what the church can do for the family, because if I can go somewhere where a biblical principle and a biblical truth is not really enforced and, and, and put out there to where I don't have to deal with my inner conflict. Mm-hmm. See, even in me saying that, I'm trying to say it in a nice way. When the truth is, I should say, when I don't want to deal with my own sin, yeah, right. Don't 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 beat around I it. I know you're the producer. Tell the I'm, truth. <laughs> I think that should make people feel better, in a sense, because no know, knowing that even the church can find faults within itself, but then correct them sure. with God should make you feel better about yourself approaching God to correct you know your own wrongs in your life or whatever, yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah, God uses imperfect people. To do as well, yeah. But oh, here she comes. No, we're we're not we're not just glossing <laughs> we'll be, over this. Tyler and I'll be back in an hour. Listen, listen. I have a whole lot of feelings on this topic. He's right, but I'll just I'll sum it up in saying why w- the church has tried to make itself relevant to the culture, but you know the foundation of Christianity was always countercultural. When, when Jesus was on the earth, when the first Christians were established, the Reformation, always. It was never, never meant to be something that was going to be embraced by the world. Mm-hmm. What does the Bible say? You can't love the world and love God. Right. You, you're, you're, you cannot have your loyalties divided like that. And the church was always meant to be this separate entity um, exempt from culture infiltrating it. Mm-hmm. And we have compromised. We have. And that is why it's so easy to just label, label this whole conversation as just misogynistic, mm-hmm. as wrong and irrelevant to modern day. Um, but yeah, I could go on and on. Well, and, and I expected you to. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything else to say. No, I'm just... Well, I, I do think that, that we have we have allowed ourselves to, to lose focus. I mean, what did Paul say? Jesus Christ, him crucified, mm-hmm. right? Preach that. Preach yeah. Jesus Christ, him crucified. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, at least from my remembrance, every time he drew a large crowd, he always said things to run most of them off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, yeah. he, it wasn't like he started to see people leave and then changed what he wanted to say. Yeah. He just he said it, and 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 again, I th- I think the root of it is selfishness. I mm-hmm. think when when pastors and and leaders in churches, m- myself included, again, I'm not exempting myself from from any of this, um, but but when we when we need to say the the hard things and we're afraid to do that, we we really need to ask ourselves why. Why? Why is that? Why is it so hard for me? We we have prettied everything up, right? Uh, when, when there's an adulterous relationship, we want to call it an affair. That sounds better, right? Yeah. That's an affair. Yeah. And and a love affair. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I, there's so many more I could I could talk about, but I do think when we 
allowed ourselves to begin looking horizontally for what, what God wants, we forgot who God was because he's not horizontal. He's vertical. He's, uh, he's straight. Leadership and pastors of churches, again, I, I don't know why I'm hesitating to even say it. <laughs> you know, we used to seek God for what to do. Mm-hmm. But now we go to conferences to find out what, yeah. what to do. Now we read books. Yeah. And, and again, hey, go <laughs> My office is full of books. I don't know how many. I have a couple thousand books in there. I read yeah. a lot. I, books I do. aren't bad. Conferences aren't bad. No, but yeah. when they take the place right. of of that relationship, that the vertical intimacy that you should have with God, um, then then it's a problem. It goes back to you know Simon Peter saying, you know Jesus said, who do who do everybody say that I am? Well, they, some say you're Elijah. Some say he said, well, who do you say that I am? So, well, I say you're the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And what Jesus said after that rocked my world when I really studied it because he said, blessed are you, Simon, because not, not because flesh and blood is revealed. It, it didn't. It didn't come horizontally. Yeah. But my Father, which is in heaven, mm. which is this vertical relationship, yeah. right? It was a revelation from God. It wasn't a spiritual warfare conference. It wasn't a, a bus trip to some big arena somewhere. It was my Father in heaven. That revealed that to you. Yeah. And it's upon that that I'm going to build my church. And, and even in Jesus saying that, it's been so misinterpreted and taken. I mean, some people say, well, then that means that we're supposed to have Pope Simon Peter there that's going to be part of this picture. No, Jesus was saying it's on the revelation that you got, mm-hmm. that I'm the Son of God. And when we can keep that vertical connection, I don't think we have to worry that much about making sure the horizontal happens because no, it will. It, it's It'll natural. Yeah. yeah. Be Absolutely. obedient. It'll work out. I promise. But I, but I do think that that, that is a, a, a big thing that the church needs to, that we need to, I keep saying that we need to get mm-hmm. back to. Yeah. Because if we can do that, I think some of these fractures and some of these injuries and some of these things that are happening in families can definitely be healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as we're doing ministry and just looking out towards the people to try to do it, I have nothing in me that can bring that kind of healing to families. I have nothing in me that can bring that kind of uh, bringing back togetherness that families needs. I have God, and He needs to do those things. And if I don't keep my connection there, uh, man, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in big, big trouble. Yeah, big trouble. We need to be bold about speaking the truth in love. Um, but yeah, so, um, what is, what should the dynamic between the church and the family be? How should that dynamic work? Well, and I think we already mentioned a big part of that. And and that is that the family was the first social structure Mm -hmm. and the church should model a family, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, uh, the Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ, Christ himself as the groom, God is the father, Jesus is the son. So husbands, you know, should be loving their wives as Christ loved the church and wives uh, submitting to their husbands as unto the Lord Mm -hmm. and children obeying their parents, uh, uh, which was the first commandment with promise. I think we mentioned that on the last episode. And so the dynamic between the church and the family is that you really should be modeling each other. Uh, and I think what happened was, going back to the horizontal, vertical conversation, is that we allowed family to over-influence the church. We allowed that to over-influence the church. Instead of the church, you know, either equally being an influence or the church 
preaching more of what the Bible says about how the family should look and how it should reflect God and how it should reflect the relationship between God the Father, God the Son. And, and so the dynamic there is that we, we need to have the same intimacy in a family setting as a church does as a community of faith. And uh, me as a pastor, I, I think that, that I need to be nurturing of the people, but, but not uh, babysitting, mm. you know, mm. I don't think yeah. I, I don't think I need to part mustaches to put bottles in. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and <laughs> I mean, I, and I, and I guess I say it funny just because it, it hurts. It hurts sometimes as the pastor, but also hurts people. Uh, people just don't, they do not want, they do not respond to that kind of, uh, instruction. Matter of fact, I, I'm, I'm working on a sermon um, and, and, and the scripture is out of Ezekiel, I, I believe it was, when the children of Israel had started coming back to the promised land after their captivity in Babylon. And one of the corrections, one of the corrections that he did was he pulled their hair out. And I thought, man, what a way to discipline people, right? Yeah. When they're not doing what they're supposed to do, just get a hold of a handful of hair, start jerking. Yeah. Um, but metaphorically speaking, I think that the church has, has again, lost that, that desire. I, I don't know what to call it, that zeal for discipline, mm -hmm. church discipline. We, what is church? We don't know what church discipline is anymore. Yeah, no one knows anymore. what that is. Yeah. Because we, don't, we, we, we have lost that, that verticalness. I don't know if that's a real word, <laughs> but I just made it up. It is. It's not. It should be. Uh, and we, we've replaced it with the horizontal. So the church should be a resource for families and the church should be a training ground for families and that dynamic should work together according to what thus saith the word of the Lord, not what Allison thinks or what I think mm -hmm. or what Tyler thinks. It should yeah. be based on what God thinks. Right. And, um, you know, this is kind of like switching gears a little bit, but I think a lot of the times, and I've seen it before, is parents will expect the church to raise their kids. Oh, my goodness. And it's just... Why did you have to say mm, that, Allison? Because it's true. We're going to be we're going to be so close to time <laughs> this week, and you had to bring that up. Well, I have to I, because uh, this is the other it, side it's of the true. coin. It is true. You can you cannot drop your kids off at church <laughs> and expect them to be um, Jesus loving people. Yep. They learn it from you. Yep. You are. Um, like we talked about this in the previous episode, that is your first and foremost ministry of God is your family. Mm -hmm. And you cannot shirk that responsibility off to the church. It's not enough to bring them here. It's not enough. No. God calls you to something so much higher than that. And I think it's it's been really sad for me to see the way that families have just done the Sunday thing, mm -hmm. and that's it. Mm -hmm. We never have any more spiritually deep conversations. We don't study the Bible together. Mm -hmm. We don't pray together. We don't pray for each other. We come to church, and then we're glorified roommates when we get home. Mm -hmm. Like, that is such a grievance to me because God calls us to something so much higher than that. Yeah. Well, and, and if we don't view our responsibility as parents— based on what Allison uh, just said it and said it better than I could have said it, is that 
I had a, I always say it this way, it sounds, it's a cliche-ish, I guess, but I had a drug problem growing up. My parents drugged me to church every time the door was open, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I, some people probably think I'm a little off center, but I think I'm, I think I'm a pretty level-headed guy. Mm-hmm. I think I turned out pretty good. You are, but it's endearing. Yeah, exactly. Thank, Thank you very much. Um, but we, we have parents that will say, I, you know, well, I don't want to make my child come to church. I was like, you make them go to school. Mm-hmm. Why can't you make them come to church? What do you mean you can't make them come to church? What does that mean? You are the that, parent. Yeah, you're the parent. You're, not, you're, you're the discipline of the house. You're the parent of the house. And, and a, a meme I saw last week, it, it says church should be your excuse for missing everything else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. But instead, right, everything else is your excuse for missing church church yeah and and i mean it's every excuse under the sun it's kind of ridiculous and i think we even mentioned this one last week but i'm gonna say it again because it's good uh parents that treat the church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat jesus as unnecessary yeah Mm -hmm. i mean you have to have that conviction of saying i want to instill this into my children the parent that says well, I just want Johnny to make his own mind up. Really? <laughs> I mean, no. Are you serious? Well, I, I want Susie to be able to make her own decisions. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> or it well, even goes back I, to the in the movies when parents say, "I just want my kids to be happy." Uh, if as long as you're happy. Well, here's the thing: when your when your child grows up to that age of of adulthood where they can start making their own decisions. How do you want those in, those decisions to be? That's that's the point where they're gonna they're gonna decide. Yeah. But how do you want those decisions to be influenced? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody's gonna influence you them. Know, I just yeah. I just the said, first seventeen years of their life, yeah. you've had an opportunity to be that influence mm-hmm. and to have on the Bible and Jesus and 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 other people in the church hopefully be an influence. You guys are killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> I mean I mean when I grew up and if I did something wrong, the neighbors whipped me. <laughs> And then when I got home, my dad would whip me. They had a whipping party. And, well, I just, I, I don't want to correct my child because I want them to learn and grow and express themselves. I just said to somebody yesterday, I having a conversation about finances. And I said, I, I learned finances from my dad. And it was really simple. If you couldn't buy it with cash, you didn't need it. <laughs> you know, think about think about marriages that would be in so much better shape right now if they didn't have a financial noose around their neck because they wanted everything that their parents had, but they want it now, yeah. mm-hmm. and they don't want to work for it. They just think that that they're entitled to it. <laughs> at this point, at this point, Jesus doesn't need to take the wheel. He just needs to pull over and spank some of y'all with his flip flop. <laughs> Flip flop. Oh my. Well, God. you might call it a sandal. <laughs> sandal. Oh man. Uh, um, those Birkenstocks. <laughs> yes, the Burks. The Burks. Um, yeah, uh, that was that was all true. And um, you know, I just want to close with, um, you know, it's just it's t- take this responsibility very seriously because it is serious. Yeah. And it is the it is the most important role. Um, in your life, absolutely. in your life, PT, you always say you are a husband and a father first, mm-hmm. pastor second. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, you know, and God has defined this, this way of life for us. Um, 
And if we have a problem with it, there's not something wrong with God. There's something wrong with us. Absolutely. And we need to um, consecrate ourselves and our roles in order to be obedient to him. Mm-hmm. And that is where true true submission, true love, true love for God comes. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to expand more on all of this, but these two episodes were just really, you know, defining our terms. What do we mean by this? Why do we say, why do we say, why do we say this? You know, I really just wanted to emphasize that the reason Christians believe this is not because we're Republicans or <laughs> because it's a Western construct right. that we've made up. Judeo-Christian. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not be, it's it's not because we're bigots. It's because that's what the Bible says. That's it. That's it. It's what the Bible says to be true. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. Um, send in your questions. We've already received a couple we questions, have. which makes me really excited. Yeah. Um, so send in your questions to twagner977 at gmail.com, and we will try to answer them. And please join us again for next week's episode. Yes. Yes. Allison, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you all for listening. We'll see you Bye, next time. Bye, guys. See ya.